This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. Flamingos are like unicorns to me. I've never seen one. Like, like you know, every time South Florida is portrayed in media, like the Gloria Stefan song hits, you know, uh, come on, baby, do that conga, like that whole song. Like, that's not that's not what it is here. Like, it's just a giant strip mall. That That's all we have. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's a giant strip club, and in some ways it's kind of like... Both. Well, that's both. Tampa, isn't it? Welcome back to Bitter Units, a beer podcast hosted by the TailgateSociety.com. Sponsored by Dead Egg Barbecue Sauce, the best goddamn barbecue sauce in the known universe. Uh, who released four new superfood variations recently? Check it out at DeadEyeBarbecueSauce.com. We are back with another episode. Um, I think it's episode 14, maybe. And uh, we've joined, as always, by our expert, Tim Johnson. And back this week after being off last time. JT Nut. Good to be back. Uh, I finally left Des Moines for the first time in over a year and went in a hockey tournament and came back with COVID. So it was a lot of fun. Congratulations on your accomplishments. The Um, nice thing was our success rate on getting COVID as a team was 14 out of 14. So we got that going for us. But yeah. You all came back with COVID? We all came back with it. There was a team. What's funny is there's only two teams not from Omaha in the tournament. And one team was from Des Moines. They sanitized the crap out of everything. They're fine. We came to Des Moines and we came back with COVID. So as one of the local teams, apparently, or one of the refs. Yeah. So, but I guess there was a massive outbreak in Omaha and we were a part of it. So, but I did get to drink plenty of beer when I was there. And that was, that was, that was fun. So before you knew you had the COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Which honestly, it was weird. I mean, it is what it is. I had my symptoms, which weren't that bad. And then I was luckily able to go back to work. But for me, it wasn't very traumatic. It was just boring as hell. Luckily, I've got the March Madness of hockey to keep me sane. So just watch plenty of hockey, watch plenty of Cubs baseball. And yeah, got plenty of sleep. So glad to uh, have you back. Glad everything is yeah. okay. We do have a guest with us who apparently is somehow a Cubs fan that somehow will become apparent here in a little bit, probably, uh, because I'm going to let Tim introduce him. Yeah, uh, this week we are delighted to have Joel Codner on the podcast with us. Uh, Joel is someone who has been around the the South Florida brewing scene for a while, but he is actually uh, a native Midwesterner, correct? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I did uh, grow up for a little while in the north suburbs of Chicago. I would have gone to Ferris Bueller's High School had I stayed there. Uh, so north suburbs, hence the Cubs shirt I'm wearing, although uh, I moved you know, before I kind of had to choose sides. I was actually raised on Cubs and Sox. My parents took me to Comiskey Park, uh, the old one, the week it closed, and then we got to go to the new park, so I was, I was a fan of both for a little while, and then I moved here. Whereabouts in the Chicagoland area? Uh, born North in suburbs, Evanston, didn't you uh, listen? <laughs> <laughs> born in Evanston and then lived in uh, Northbrook for a bit. Okay, okay. No, you, you say north suburbs, it could be north suburbs, it could be northwest suburbs. I mean, there's plenty matter. of them. So. It's <laughs> Chicago, who cares? Jeez, come on. <laughs> Uh, no, seriously. Well, good to have you with us. Um, we're excited to be back with another episode. Um, so you moved then from Chicago straight to South Florida, or how did you end up in South Florida at this point? Uh, so I was uprooted when I was almost 13 uh, quite some time ago. Uh, my parents split. My father had a lot of family here, so he moved us down here to be closer to them. And... Uh, Still been a fan of the Chicago team since. I just can't get behind anything from Florida. Aside maybe the Panthers because uh, hockey is real fun. It's it's not in the Florida heat, so it, it makes it a little more tolerable. Well, that would be a nice escape, I bet, to go into the rink where it's cool and all that. So 
Yeah, it might be the only cold building down here. <laughs> uh, as you can tell, Joel has a very uh, love-hate relationship with Florida. Uh, maybe not so don't, much on. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mostly hate. <laughs> he, he, Is Florida the most hick state of the South? Well, as we say down here, the further north you go, the more in the south you are. Yep. That's entirely <laughs> true. You ask, I, I've, I've gone to South Carolina. My buddy went to USC for a little bit. And you ask him from the south, what's the most hick state of like northern Florida is the worst? I'm like, okay. And I met some people from Northern Florida. I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, down here you've got all your strip malls and it's suburbia and, and <coughs> tourism paradise and all that. And then you start heading a little north and, and the houses aren't so crammed up against each other. And you've got more white pickups and Confederate flags and meth labs. <laughs> so, yeah. Wait, is well, that Iowa? There's a, there's a reason there's a. Uh, part of it that's called the Redneck Riviera. So <laughs> I've never heard that one. <laughs> yeah, I believe some folks refer to the Destin area as the Redneck Riviera. Uh, well, cool. So that's how you got down there. Um, the next obvious follow-up question to that, then, it would be, how did you get into beer? <laughs> so uh, I have a cousin who was always raving to me about Belgian beers, and. Uh, it, I, I have like the worst stories when it comes to this. It's never like anything uplifting, but, um, I was at his father's funeral and, you know, just kind of sitting there in the front row, looking at the casket, thinking to myself, I've got to broaden my horizons. I've got to meet new people and learn new things and get into more stuff and, you know, use the time I have here. So, um, started just kind of reaching out through social media, meeting some people locally. I mean, you know, and this was over a decade ago where we had almost no breweries here. So anyone who was into beer, it was a very close knit community. We all knew each other. We all found each other somehow. We, we went to all the same little, uh, gastro pubs and, and beer bars, you know, wherever they were scattered throughout the area. And, uh, slowly but surely breweries started popping up. Um, I volunteered at my first brewery, uh, at a festival, four months before they opened. So they kind of joked that I was the technically the very first employee. And then uh, in May of 2012, uh, I started there on day one as like a part-time bartender just a couple times a month to make some extra cash. I was still languishing in cubicle hell. And um, in less than a year, uh, kind of made the jump, took a big pay cut to be in the brewery and be happy, enjoy helping out making beer, starting at the bottom, you know, washing kegs and stuff. And uh, slowly but surely worked my way up to uh, brewer and then head brewer. Started at the bottom, now he's here. <laughs> um, so, um, then I have a question. We've debated this before. JT is very pro. I think it's a stupid idea. You as a bartender at one point or another. Flights, yes or no? <laughs> It's funny. I've been on both sides of this argument. Um, when I was first, you know, beer tending part time and, and a little bit more immature about it all, uh, flights could be very hectic at times, um, you know, especially when people have a hard time reading the room and, you know, the bar is three deep on a Friday night and someone's like, yeah, can I try eight of this? It's like, It'll be a minute, you know, <laughs> but um, I think now they're actually more important than ever because there are so many breweries and chances are if someone's, you know, hitting your brewery, they're probably hitting a few others that day, you know, depending on where you are. And there's so many breweries, there's so many beers, there's so many styles now. I mean, especially ones that are pretty heavy on your palate and come with just a wide array of ingredients. So, you know, I think people are taking more of a chance when they try your beer these days. You know, it, it's, it's not a given that it's going to be great. And with so much beer out there, I think, you know, I've seen a lot of people trying to pace themselves and make sure they can hit all the breweries in town and not just get sloshed at the first one with, you know, only having pints or something. Well, I'm super disappointed by that answer. So somebody I'm else. I'm super excited by that answer. That's the most perfect <laughs> answer ever. Well, it, that's my I thesis mean, statement for when I travel and I go to a brewery I've never been before. You never know what they're going to do well, so might as well get cast a wide net and hope you get something good. 
Well, and if I had my own place, I would probably just do fractional pours. You know, I'd probably have like 8 ounce, 12 ounce, 16 ounce, maybe even 20 ounce in some cases with certain lagers, but um, probably not like the multiple, you know, I, I don't want to sit in the back and start hand carving trays, you know. <laughs> I've seen I've seen a lot of horrific like handmade boxes and flight trays out there that I mean they they just look like you know someone with Parkinson's whittled them but <laughs> oh, uh, Jesus <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I'd probably rather go with like eight ounces to start and give people half pours and stuff like that I mean that's that's kind of like what I'm looking for when I go somewhere I don't want to I've been on the other side of the bar so I don't want to be that guy that goes somewhere and order orders a flight even though you know I probably want to try everything. Or, or even worse, it's the guy that comes up with a group of 20 and he orders eight flights for the entire group. Okay, that's oh, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, those, those guys. Uh, and they tip me a dollar? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We want 12 Vegas bombs. We want three Cap'n and Cokes. And here's a dollar for your troubles. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because it is something that, since you're not part of beer Twitter, but it is something that has been... Uh, even again recently, been debated wildly back and forth on that. So it was it was actually a very timely uh, question. I, I I tend to agree with Joel that you know small pours work a little bit better. Half the time when people end up taking a flight, and then I still see you know two of them they haven't even done more than a sip on. It seemed like kind of a uh, a waste. But at the same time, if you can if you can get that premium price point for it, I mean, why not? And it's, you know, it's not really, you know, for someone who makes the beer, it's not my ideal presentation. You know, like, you're not able to, like, really stick your nose in the glass if it's, like, a four or five ounce little, you know, I, I like the little, like, Belgian um, snifters, the little mini ones, or, like, mm. the mini cider glasses, that kind of stuff. They even have, like, mini, uh, shit, I forgot the name of the the style of it, but, um, you know, you can't really just get your nose in the glass. Like it, it, it's just, it's a lousy presentation to me. That's why I'd say, you know, at least half pours minimum. And, you know, you see some of these guys, you know, some breweries might have like 30, 40, 50 taps. And I've seen guys post on Instagram, like they'll go with two or three friends. They'll order 40 things all at once. And they're so braggadocious, like, Oh, look at this huge lineup of beers. We've got, you know, the whole array of colors and, you know, the whole deal, it's like the whole rainbow. And, you know, they're doing it for Instagram, but it's like by the time you get to the second half of those, they're going to be warm and flat. Yeah, and your palate's going to be wrecked. Right. Well, yeah, because we've talked about that, and that was my argument against it, is that they're going to get warm. And it's okay if a stout gets a little warm, right? It warms up some, but and some other types of beers. But, you know, you don't want your... As we've found out, your IPAs and stuff to start getting light struck and all that, which doesn't take very long uh, for that to start happening. So I'm like, I just don't want five drinks sitting there getting warm. To me, it just seems like a bad idea. Right. All the all the foamy heads have dissipated. So, you know, you've lost a little bit of the aroma. It's, you know. <sighs> oh, well, I digress. I guess I'm wrong on this issue. <laughs> As preference. That's the first time I've ever been wrong. Trust me. You mean this minute or this today or this week? In the last, or? In the last five minutes. Okay. Okay. We can um, go with that. Can you put your wife on? I think she might have an opinion. <laughs> no. Nope. 100% right all the time. Just, just like everybody else. Just don't tell her. Uh, that's right. If I don't tell her, she won't disagree with me. So... All the way from Washington up to Bruin, um, you know, as as a brewer himself, Tim has uh, some beers that he's done that he's been really proud of and he likes to talk about. Um, so do you have a beer that you did that you were really proud of and what style, you know, tell us a little bit about it. What style was it? I, I've been very fortunate to win, you know, a few awards for certain beers, but I, I kind of feel like they're not the ones I'm most proud of because feel like there's just a lot of luck involved with some of those things too and i'd say some of the beers i'm most proud of were at my last brewery where um my good friend mike uh shout out to mike loves beer uh who was working with me for a couple of months and 
you know, the, the world was kind of our oyster for a couple of months there. We were really allowed to do whatever we wanted to do as long as we were keeping up with the core brands in this brew pub. And we had put together a saison called Continued Existence. Uh, it's named after uh, Christopher Hitchens' quote. And uh, it was a uh, French-style saison, dry-hopped with uh, Hollertau Blanc and, and some other uh, good stuff in there. And um, Mike even posted a really beautiful photo of it online. Like, it, it's one of the best beer photos I've ever seen. He did a really good job. He got into photography and really took a nice picture of it. It was pretty cool, and it got people excited. Um, I love saisons, and I felt like, you know, the one we put together in tap, we were super proud of. And um, as it turned out, like, the top – like I, I don't pay too much attention to like untap ratings and stuff like that, but I did happen to notice that like at the time our top four beers were all beers that I had made with Mike in a very short period of time. So um, we we did an imperial stout called Full Synthetic. Uh, it was very like thick. Um, it was only about eight and a half percent ABV, but um, just big viscosity, real chewy, chocolatey, roasty, and real complex. It was real nice. Even had uh, some local. Uh, local Florida honey in it, which uh, kind of gave it this nice kind of sweet smoothness on the back end. So you have done both production brewery and brew pub brewing. Yeah. Uh, that's brew pub brewing is not something that that I have done. It's something that I would if I never had to put beer in a can ever again. If I never had to deal with uh, shelf stability or any, you know, I mean, if I didn't have to deal with any of that stuff again, I would not cry whatsoever uh is that what you have found between the two that you preferred brew pub or is it just kind of a little bit of both oh i absolutely preferred brew pub um in the sense of like what you're talking about with shelf stability quality control you know distribution all that nonsense it it got to be a real headache for me at my first brewery and i didn't entirely have the support when it came to quality control and that can really bum you out when you're doing all the work and then someone above you says, "Eh, I think that's just fine. We'll send it out that way. Or no, we don't need to invest in some aspect of the packaging process. They can improve things and reduce, you know, leaky seams or, or whatever the issue may be. I mean, I think you're, you know, in Florida here, if you're distributing, you really got to take the extra steps for the quality control because your package is going out on not necessarily refrigerated trucks, and they may be going up and down the highway in traffic all day long down to Miami and back to the warehouse in West Palm. And, um, you know, it's aging as it's heating. So it's really hard to keep up with that stuff. And I hope breweries are really thinking about that when they come into the market and they're, they're getting ready to distribute and things like that. But, you know, th- that kind of those issues and, and also the positive side of it, you know, the brew pub allowed me to have total creative control and do whatever I want. And there was no real plan for core brands or anything like that. It was just make awesome beer and make it food friendly. Cause you know, we, we've got a restaurant as well. And, um, it was great for a few years and I really enjoyed it. And I would love to go back to that sort of situation in the future if it, it presented itself. But, um, you know, the, the place I'm at now is, is, you know, small, brewery um but growing and uh really kicking ass down here especially in its its home market and you know we're distributing a little uh just enough you know we're not trying to take over the world especially right now with you know the way the the whole industry is and and restaurants and bars and in their situations so um but you know we're still cranking it out still getting beer out there just had cans produced uh at brew theory in orlando uh which is like a, a place to contract brew and they really did a great job um you know and I, I was most happy to see date codes on the bottom of the cans so um awesome yeah but i mean brew pub is definitely the, the best experience as far as uh feeling the best about taking care of the beer and knowing it's in your control you know if something goes bad you can take it off right away it's not like it went out and now there's all these issues to deal with which customers are more annoying uh do i have a choice or did i just pick my- <laughs> <laughs> um wow that's such a hard question because you know in my early days like i said when i was more mature i probably would have had a really quick answer for that one but you know, now I, I, I've grown up a little and I feel like I appreciate every single one who, who comes in and, and drinks the beer, even even if they are annoying. Um, I'd say probably the worst one is the one who 
asks for a bunch of samples, which I'm happy to provide because, you know, I, I want people to find the right beer and enjoy it. But I can't stand when they're chewing gum throughout the entire process. <laughs> and then you finally hand them the beer they order and they're like, OK, cool, thanks. And they just keep smacking away at that gum. And it's like you're about to have a spearmint Hefeweizen. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> You did also uh, infamously name a beer after a consumer rating. I did. Uh, did you? Did you not have have the the was it the one star? Oh yeah yeah sorry. Um, <laughs> when you said consumer rating, I'm thinking of like, you know, the safety of a Kia Sedona or oh. something. You know, like, <laughs> you know they're like customer ratings. No um, side impact. Yeah. Yeah, my last brewery, the Brew Pub, we had a, a soft opening. We had a, a, a private, like, friends and family opening the first night in December 2017. And then the very next night, we did our soft opening, which, you know, the entire purpose of that is to, you know, do your service as you would normally and work out the kinks. And, and you know, you're, you're kind of expected to have problems. So um, it was a little busier than anybody could have expected. I mean, the place was slammed. We ran out of chicken wings in the first hour. Uh, the cooks locked themselves out of the prep room. Uh, <laughs> it's just like everything that could go wrong was going wrong. So um, I noticed this guy in the front, and he just he just looked like one of those angrily, you know, reviewing. Like you know, he's he's already on Yelp before he's left the building. And uh, as it turns out, he had left us a review, just uh, shitting on all the uh, beers. Uh, you know, saying like, oh, you know, the IPA is not bad, but, you know, it's better than the service here. And, you know, like rightfully so. We, it, it was a rough night for everyone. Uh, but that's why we have the soft opening. And um, he, you know, leaves all these horrible reviews saying uh, we should have had a soft opening. And it's like this was the soft opening. That That's, you know, we, uh, you know, we ruined his birthday, which everyone says every time they leave a review, it's their birthday. Um or at least a negative review. If it's a positive review, it's just, oh, yeah, I stopped it on a Tuesday. It was nothing special. Um, but if they hate it, it's their their birthday, their <laughs> anniversary, it's Christmas. It's it's every it's everything they could possibly celebrate on the same day just to rub it in. But, um, yeah, so he, he left these horrible reviews. And then when I looked at the rest of his reviews, they all were like one star for Chipotle because the portions aren't what they used to be or uh, the hours aren't the same as advertised online one star. So there was no real constructive criticism here. It was just, you know, either very negative or, or very positive, you know, there was nothing down the middle. So um, I, his name was Doug. So I had this uh, mosaic dry hop pale ale that I hadn't named yet. It was like the seventh beer we put on. And uh, I suggested the name One Star Dougie to our uh, staff, and they just started laughing, like, uproariously. They're like, you got to do that. And I was like, I wasn't totally serious about it. But they're like, no, no, you have to do that. And then every time I would serve that beer and people would ask about that name, I'd you know, tell the story, and they just loved it. You know, because it's like you see how – certain places they'll have like the little chalkboard thing out front that says, you know, come try the worst meatball sub you've ever had, according to some guy on Yelp. And mm-hmm. like, I like that. I like when businesses kind of flip it on the reviewers and uh, kind of embrace the hate. So that's what I tried to do with one star Dougie. Well, I love how stopped in on a Tuesday. It was all right. was a positive review. <laughs> <laughs> They're either all positive, like stopped in on a Tuesday. It was all right. That's, that's posititive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, how Doug can was, go fuck himself. Yeah, how old was Doug? Was Doug, <laughs> was Doug an older gentleman? Or I mean, he just looked like <clears throat> every other, not necessarily middle-aged, just kind of a schlub, you know? Just He, he just looked like an unhappy guy. Like, you know, he's just way, like... You know, people like this, they've, they've got no power in the rest of their lives. You know, they probably work terrible jobs. They probably don't have the respect of many people. They're probably miserable. And it's like, this is their one shot. They're going to go on Yelp and destroy a business with a one-star review. Like, yep. it's it's like the kid who, you know, got the crap kicked out of him in high school, and now he's going to, like, abuse his authority as a policeman. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
we had uh, we had it was this veterinarian who was a home brewer uh, who said the IPA was way too sweet. And since he was a home brewer, he took it home and degassed it and and checked the gravity on it. And it was like it was at this and and I was like that's still within the acceptable range. It's probably a little bit on the high side. And by the way, no, I can tell you what it was really at. You maybe aren't using. Uh, the best hydrometer in the world. Maybe dial it back a little bit there. But he just wanted to be able to, I've been a home brewer for years. Let me go ahead and tell you what's wrong with this beer. Yeah, nobody would ever, like, wash their car and then walk into the, you know, Jiffy Lube and tell somebody they're doing something wrong with the engine. It's, yeah. It is, yeah, it's different. I think I think people, you know, it happens in other places, but I, I just can't believe the number of times, you know, because... At Badger Hill, you could see the brew house from the tap room. There was just a glass wall. And the number of times you would come in and have someone tell you that you were doing it wrong. And I'm like, uh, or maybe you just have never brewed on a professional system and understand that not everything translates perfectly from home brewing. Just an idea. <laughs> I fortunately yeah. have not had anything like that. Occasionally you get someone who, you know, it's it's like they want to dispute the IBUs, like why? Just because they can, and they're trying to, and they're trying to show off how much they think they know. Okay, okay. I just I never talk- understood that. Like, I, I it seems like I, I don't know. It seems like the people who make the no, most noise know the least. If that makes sense. Oh, there's definitely some Dunning Kruger on that for sure. Okay. Uh, I used to always start off every. Uh, every tour asking who was a home brewer in there and saying that's cool. Uh, I'm, ha- I'm happy to talk to you after the tour, but this tour isn't for you, so please don't bog <laughs> down with a bunch of uh, geek out questions. I'm not going to get into hop utilization rates or any of that. That <laughs> Let's just keep the tour uh, fine, and if you want to talk to me after, that's cool, but I think sometimes they're just trying to show off how much they know or how much they think they and it's always hops. Like, no one ever oh, yeah. asks about water profiles. No one ever asks about yeast. Maybe malt. One, one time at my first brewery, I was going in on the weekend to check gravities. I think we had, like, 13 fermenters, and sometimes they were all filled, and we would kind of rotate the duty of who would go in on the weekends. And I'm sitting there at this table near the brew house watching a tour in progress. And, you know, it's a big warehouse, um, big industrial space, and the the – grain bags and pallets were all kind of, uh, you know, creating this perimeter around the area where people can't walk. And uh, this guy walks up to one of the pallets and there's like a bag that's been closed up that had been already used partially. And he opens this bag. It was probably like C80 or something. And he opens the bag, reaches in, grabs a handful of it and shoves it in his mouth. What? And it's like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's, I can't speak for the culture anywhere else, but that kind of stuff goes on down here a lot. We had one of those um, super giant staircases, like that you would see in a like a like a uh, what do they call it, uh, like a Costco or something like that. Like one of those giant staircases that goes up, like I don't know how many feet. Oh, like and, a picker type of type of thing. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean it's got to be like at least twenty feet tall. And this guy just walked up it one day. <laughs> and Mike, who I was talking about earlier, you know, he was working with me there too. And he's just like, what the hell are you doing? Get down from there and get off the tour. <laughs> yeah, no, I would say that culture is everywhere. You know, we had to put a lot of signs, you know, chains and signs up of authorized personnel only. And, and I always had to give kind of a preface to the tour of, uh, you know, this is a, a live professional environment. There's things that are hot, things that are caustic, things that are under pressure things that are already sensitively calibrated so don't touch anything just just don't touch anything that's a good example of why there are so many articles that start with florida man (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i had a guy at my last brewery on a tour some sort of company party or something and i think they had already had a few before they got to us so now i'm doing the tour and I've got my spill containment palette with like a bunch of drums of chemical on it. And one of them is caustic. And there's a 
you know, like a pump on top that you pump out the caustic, but there's like some residue, dried residue that's white on top of the drum. And this guy leans into the drum like he's going to do a line, like like it's Coke, with all that residue. And he got really close to it, and he was trying to get somebody to, like, take a picture of him doing that. And I was like, dude, you got to stop that. Like, that burns on contact. Don't, like, get away from that. <laughs> Did it for the Instagram photo. Yeah, everyone's doing it for the gram. I would have I paid to see him, like, put his finger on it and then rub his teeth like it was Coke or something. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been classic. <laughs> Should have been like, you want me to go to the bar and get you a straw? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, then you'd have been going to get a cola or something to try to neutralize it for him and <laughs> lecturing him on how big an idiot he is. Aaron, have you ever seen any anybody doing something stupid with, with chemicals in your line of work? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So lots of stupid things happen. Uh, when you're out in the field with people that, you know, maybe are new in the industry. So, yeah, that's, I deal a lot. That's what I do is chemical sanitation stuff. So, um, yeah, especially when you're out training new people that just don't know any better yet, you know, and it's like, well, what is this? And they put their finger in something. I'm like, you're going to want to wash that off. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like. Like you don't do that, didn't? Didn't they teach you to like waft and not just take big old whiffs of things? And you know, didn't your science teacher tell you anything in high school? And that's pretty remedial stuff. But it's amazing what you see people do. It it's amazing in the brewing world how many times you go and do a new brewer, probably been someone who who was a home brewer and thought, oh, I, I can go ahead and make this as a professional job. And then you go and you see what they're doing. Like none of their buckets are labeled. Uh, there's there's not a spill pallet. There's not proper PPE anywhere near anything. You're like, oh my god, you're you're not helping the industry. Stop. Yeah, I, I've I've been given a little tour in certain breweries, and I'm just like, I can't believe you're showing me this right now. <laughs> yeah, you should be embarrassed, not proud. Yeah, no, for sure. Um... But it's like that. I think it's like that in every industry, though. You're always going to find the people that do it right and the people that, that don't. I mean, that's the case at all. I mean, I've seen dudes mixing chemicals within what looks like a stainless steel bathtub with a trolling motor. You know what I mean? It's like, literally, that's what it looks like. Eight meters. Mix, mixing up dish machine chemicals or something, you know. So, um it's yeah it's uh, that's in every industry but the the real downside is this is in your industry is that it's a consumable product right it's uh, you know so hopefully yeah <laughs> um, uh, well yeah ideally so a mistake in your line really is much more noticeable than a mistake in ours because if you don't catch it before consumers get it that's it can be real bad yeah for sure and, you know, sometimes these injuries or accidents almost feel like a rite of passage for certain people. You know, it's like you, you, you don't uh, you don't earn your stripes in a brewery until you've burned yourself, cut yourself, uh, getting blasted with hot water. Yeah. 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 I mean, you think about it. I, I was at a brewery yesterday because they had their patio open and one of the brewers came out. And I know the head brewer there, and I respect them really, really well. And one of his shift brewers came out with his pants tucked into his boots, and I still just wanted to scream at him. <laughs> that sort of defeats the purpose. Yeah, exactly. Now you just have a big bucket to catch all that that uh, 212 degree wort that's boiling over right into <laughs> your right into your your boot. Yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? unfortunate some people just that should be common sense but you know i guess well, it's, fu- it's funny how tolerated it seems in this industry at least in my experience in some cases you know I, I feel like if somebody at mcdonald's stuck their hand in the fryer they wouldn't be there the next day or any day <laughs> afterward yeah but it, it feels like there are some people here who are kind of failing upward um i have I have fired a guy 
for every possible incompetent thing you could do. And this was someone who trained me in, in some ways and didn't seem to hack it at any other brewery after that and is now a consultant. And it blows my mind. Um, you know, there are there are people where it's just like, how, how do they keep getting consulting gigs and how do they keep showing up in this company or that company when... I mean, it's like most of us know each other. We communicate and we tell each other the stories, you know, and I just, I'm perplexed sometimes. Yeah, it is, it is definitely scary. I think one of the things about this industry is because, you know, people seem to be more concerned with the TTB. Like, I've never, in my years of brewing, I never had OSHA come visit once. And so people didn't bother to be concerned about some pretty sketchy things going on in the brewery. Ladders where there shouldn't be ladders. Ladders rigged up in a way they shouldn't be. People using forklifts in a way they should be be using them. Uh, and at this point, it's 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 a matter of of when, not if, we're going to have a pretty significant uh, injury or fatality in craft brewing. That's going to have to be the thing that opens up so many other people's eyes. Well, I think you'll definitely have some sort of major, well-publicized accident where likely life will be lost, unfortunately, okay. uh, and that'll get OSHA involved. And then, you you know, these cans keep exploding. You'll definitely get the FDA involved. So it seems, you know, like we said before, people doing stuff for Instagram, uh, whether it's, you know, donuts on the forklift, uh, surfing on pallet jacks, um, all sorts of crazy you know, hijinks up on top of, fer you know, exploding fermenters, uh, you know, ones that are shooting off like they threw Mentos in it. Um, you know, th these things keep going on, and it seems like, you know, sooner or later there's going to be a reckoning, and, and people are going to start getting hit for it. Now, we, I've never had an OSHA visit. Uh, obviously, you get fire inspectors, and if you're in a brew pub, you get the health inspectors here and there. Um you know, we, we've always seemed to have our stuff in order and never really had any issues or anything. But, you know, fire marshal might tell you, hey, you can't have that extension cord on the floor, you know, yeah. along the drains or something like that. But, um, you know, there's there seems to be some scary stuff going on out there. And uh, I, I know of like the brewery right next to my first brewery got a OSHA visit, but the other one didn't, which is crazy. Um, I'm surprised they're just not regularly stopping in at this point, but there's so many breweries right now, it must be hard to keep up. Yeah, right? I mean, every time I see th those things going on or, like, people throwing any number of barely food food into the mash, I'm like, do you want the FDA to come down on us? We're lucky that we're not having to worry about what the FDA has <laughs> to say. You'd like to be, like, a regular food manufacturer and have to deal with those regulations and all that bullshit, keep doing all of this this nonsense where you're putting... There was a brewery on here that they put milfoil in there, which is like a like a, like a a lake seaweed. Like they, they, and <laughs> <laughs> they put that in, in there, which is not an approved uh, for, for food use at all. You know, they kind of got into a, a, a minor uh, problem with it, but like you're just inviting us to, to get more heavily regulated. Uh, if you like the freedom that we have right now, don't abuse it. But I don't know. I'm, I'm a grumpy old man about some of that stuff, too. <laughs> Especially if you have more and more of this quote-unquote culinary-inspired beer, which has basically just gotten to the point where guys are going to the grocery store like, all right, what's on sale this week? What are we brewing? And it's like, oh, Frosted Flakes or buy one, get one free. That's our next IPA. Uh, <laughs> so... So, you know, oh, hey, you're going, you're going to Chipotle for lunch. Can you go ahead and grab up like 20 burritos so I can throw them in the mash? <laughs> We're going to do our carnita stout. <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh. oh, you you almost did it. You almost did it. My goal since we started this pod was to catch somebody drinking and say something ridiculous and have him snort it out <laughs> his nose. You almost got Tim there. You would yeah, have been the winner. You would have been the first to make it happen. Ah, uh, man. Um, and on that note, we're going to give Tim a minute to uh, recoup and redeem himself. We're going to take a quick break uh, so you can hear from our sponsors. 
And then uh, we're going to come back uh, with more Joel and our beer for this week. Miller High Life. This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. And welcome back to Bitter Units. As I said, we have one of my favorite beers. One of the beers that I mentioned as being my favorites in the very first episode. This week we have Miller High Life. The Champagne of beers. Uh, it's the greatest beer out of bottles of all time. Um, it's not up for debate as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's just okay out of cans, but bottles, that's the way to go. Um, but so, you know, everybody here, especially after the last pot, if you if you caught that one with uh, when we drank some Narragansett, um, this is another light lager really kind of right um yeah i mean it's it's considered uh an american lager it's it so this beer is the oldest beer in in miller's stable of beers they've been around since the 1850s this thing has been around since like 1903 or 1904 or something like that it really kind of took off when people are trying to find lighter options so you know it's 4.6 percent so it's not like like a Bud Heavy or some of those original things that were around 5%. So it was kind of like a, a light beer before light beer. Uh, but it's still, I mean, it's got like 140 calories. So it's, it's, it's a little meatier beer than, than I think what we would call a light beer today. But it is still definitely light compared to, uh, you know, what people would call noticeably craft beers. Um, you know, it's still, it's, it's like 7 IBU. Uh the Lena hops make it, you know, nice and accessible. It's not like it's anything that's going to uh, jump out at you. Um, but it is, you know, it's, it's definitely one of those beers. You know, it's got, it's got World Beer Cup medals. It's actually one of those beers. You know, we picked this, like, I asked, I asked uh, Joel before we did this, hey, what are some national brands you drink? And he, he put this on there, and I loved it because it's one of those beers that has actually become, like, every brewer's favorite beer. It's amazing the number of, of professional brewers who actually love to, to, you know, get done after a hard day, a hot day. You're standing over uh, a boil kettle. Uh, you're up on a lift in the cellar uh, where all the heat's gone up and all the humidity. I can't even imagine what that is like in Florida, Joel. I think I would probably yeah. just want to myself. But, you know, a, a nice cold high life after that just tastes perfect. Or two. Or three. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> the first one you don't even taste. I mean, it just goes right down. It's, that's just to get the party started. That sounds like the scenario of, uh, and I don't know if you ever did it growing up where we grew up, Tim. But uh, it sounds like after being a, a long day of throwing bales up in a barn. Yeah, sure. Sure. Bailing hay and coming down and sitting under the tree and drinking a beer. Never mind the fact that I was like 16. Uh, I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations (laughs) has expired, so it doesn't matter. But uh, that's that's where my love of high life really kind of started, right? Was it's that, like you talked about, after a a hot day of working and that you come down to cool off and that's that really hits the spot. Is uh, so, Joel. Side note: Has your body ever adjusted to the the heat and humidity at all in any way, shape, or form? Because, no, never. <laughs> in Minnesota, in the middle of July, after you know doing a double brew, you feel like you've lost ten pounds just in sweat. 
I can't imagine how, how you could even handle it down there. Yeah, yeah, it got to the point where I was doing like multiple wardrobe changes. Even like I'll get I'll <laughs> soak a dry fit shirt. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Um it, it really gets like that. And I, I it's it's not something you can get adjusted to here. I don't like the people who love the beach and the sun and the heat. I, I just, I think they're insane. Um, like the, the beach is a giant ashtray and it's impossible to wash off. <laughs> and like, it's just brutally. And I think that's why you have Florida man, because it's hot and humid and it melts your brain. And <laughs> it's just like one more, it's one more thing to deal with. Like people, pretty much everybody in South Florida at least is from somewhere else. You know, there's a lot of New Yorkers, a lot of people from the Midwest and, and, and the Northeast and everybody comes here on vacation for a week, you know, whenever. And then they go back, you know, the snowbirds and then they go back and then they eventually move here and they think it's going to be the paradise they experienced for a week. And it's like, no, it's, it's not, there's no, there's no flamingos. Like, I don't, I don't know. Flamingos are like unicorns to me. I've never seen one. Like, like, you know, every time South Florida is portrayed in media, like the Gloria Stefan song hits, you know, uh, come on, baby, do that conga, like that whole song. Like, that's not that's not what it is here. Like, it's just a giant strip mall. That that's all we have. I thought you were gonna say it's a giant strip club, and in some ways, it's kind of like both. Well, that's both. Tampa, isn't it? Oh yeah, Tampa. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, so that kind of leads us into the question we, we try to ask most everybody that comes on. Uh, I'm not sure if we asked Joe last week because um, we got a little off the rails and we might have forgot about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, assuming you were stranded on a desert island, give us three or four or five beers, you know, kind of somewhere in that ballpark. That you'd really want to have with you. Okay. Uh, so, can I... <laughs> can one of them be truly lemonade? <laughs> sure. You're the first person to ask that question. And at some point, we're going to probably do a seltzer on the pod. Um, we have not done that yet. And I have personally <laughs> never had a seltzer. So, I'm waiting until we do it on the pod so that I can be truly appalled by it uh, firsthand. <laughs> but uh, that, yeah, if that's what you want. And is that with or without the Malort? Oh, um, I mean, if I'm stranded, I definitely have some Malort with me anyway. It doesn't matter. Because uh, you're on a desert island, so who cares if you shit your pants? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'd say truly lemonade, and these are not in any sort of ranking order. Uh, Allagash White. Um, I earlier this year I totally fell in love with the Coles from Second Shift Brewing in St. Louis. Um, they were cool enough. Yeah, yeah, they were cool enough to send me a little care package, and that beer was in there, and it just blew my mind. Uh, it was just so crisp and refreshing and clean. Um, as far as something hoppy, I would probably choose. Um, I mean, if we're going to go hoppy and high alcohol, I'll probably do my favorite beer from last year, which is Triple Surfer from uh, Trophy Brewing in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, 10% like triple hazy IPA. And oh my God, it was just the easiest drinking, citrusy, fruity, non-bitter. Like you couldn't even taste the alcohol. It was just so good. Um, so th those are... And then I got to have something dark. I'm going to go with uh, Bell's Expedition Imperial Stout. That is a solid list. I, I don't know that, that an Imperial Stout on a desert island is one that would jump to my mind. But it's cool. I, ironically, here in Florida, um, we're, we're kind of getting known for our Imperial Stouts, especially ones with marshmallows and things in it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny how people come out for those things in the heat. I mean, one of the biggest beers down here is a maple bacon coffee porter from Funky Buddha Brewing. Oh, yeah, and I sure. mean, there's maybe three cold days of the year where you might be able to, like, enjoy that, you know. But, I mean, I, I don't mean that in, in the sense of, like, the beer. I just mean, like, if you want a dark beer on a cool day, like, you have very little opportunity here. 
For sure. What was the one in St. Louis you were talking about again? I've got a brother that lives in St. Louis. I'll have to ask him about it. Uh, the Coles from Second Shift Brewing. Second Shift. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's lived there for 40 plus years now. So, and, and drinks a lot of beer. So I'm guessing he's probably been there. <laughs> They do some really nice. I I was lucky enough to get one of those care packages too, and I I think across the board there wasn't a beer that I was disappointed in. They sent some of them were were not not to say that I didn't expect them to be good, but you know you ship beer, you're kind of expecting things to be less than perfect when it's shipped, and right. And I was I was amazed by how well those things are, you know, handled shipping as well. And they run the gamut. I mean, they, they do everything well, like light, clean beers and adjunct imperial stouts and wild ales and stuff. I mean, I had just beer-flavored beer from them. I had, you know, the adjunct stuff, like I mentioned. I had uh, some sours. It was just everything was very well made and clean and, and you know, just done really well. And it was, it was definitely inspiring, and, and I love those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm actually we didn't do this with Ganny last week, but I am actually going to to make uh, you guys go through the tasting on this one. Uh, JT, I know you can't really smell anything. I might be able to. <clears throat> are we going to yeah. pour it in the glass this week, or are we just going to drink it straight from the bottle? You can just drink it straight from the bottle. The one okay. well, I tell you what, one reason why I like pouring this one into a, a glass is you know. This is the champagne of beers. And, okay, uh, we can put it in glass. Yeah, it, but the reason why is when we talk about mouthfeel, uh, I want you to see kind of the, the how effervescent this beer really is and how much of a stable head it actually provides, like a nice, thick, fluffy head. Uh, you know, the knock on, on American lagers are, are that there are these pale, fizzy, piss beer water, you know, type of things. But I, I actually think that this one has, like, a good effervescence when you drink it and when you pour it. And I think that nice, stable uh, foam... Uh, I have to teach you how to pour a beer, but... <laughs> uh, but I like that. So, and, and what I think that, you know, kind of brings out, not like, you know, I'm not saying that... Galena hops are just kind of generically fruity. They're really they're like the American bittering high alpha hop or whatever. Um, but uh, I kind of did want to talk through a couple of things with this because it is kind of something that I think is 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 interesting. So go ahead. Uh, first of all, let's talk about that appearance and what you're seeing. You can see why they call it the champagne. I mean, it does the bubbles and all that, and the clarity and all that. It does look like you're drinking champagne. Uh, you know, maybe <clears throat> it's New Year's Eve and you just spent 20 bucks to get in the door to go to a bar and here's your free champagne toast at midnight. And, <laughs> and they do put it in champagne bottles during the holidays. Do they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, only had it, I've only had it two ways, of, like actually three ways, from a tap, from the little grenades uh, bottles, and then the typical, you know, 12-ounce bottle here. Um, it looks perfect. That's all I have to say. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I mean, it looks like like that kind of prototypical American beer you think about, yep. right? Uh, yeah. American the, light lager. Right, and with and with those those bubbles coming up, what are you guys kind of getting when you stick your nose in there and, and get some aroma? I think it's actually kind of worth adjudicating this one. I'll defer to Aaron on this one, as always. I'm trying to stick my nose in the bottle because I didn't bring a glass with me. And I kind of got at a big nose, so it's kind of harder than it looks. This time. I don't know. This one, it's not. It doesn't have. It smells like beer, which is what I always say. But this, <laughs> to this, is what beer is supposed to smell like to me because that's you know it's my thing. Regular Budweiser, Miller High Life, those are my jam, um, and it's what I grew up drinking this kind of beer so um i don't get the things we get out of the ipas and stuff that we have had in the past i there's no i don't smell any pininess no citrusiness none of that um 
It just smells like good crisp beer. Uh, uh, but I don't know what that smell is. And sure. I'm sure you can tell me. Uh, it's it's beer. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's 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 their their it's malted barley, right? Um, but one of the reasons why I want to point this out, so you guys are drinking it out of clear bottles, and we've talked about clear bottles on this podcast before. So what aren't you smelling that we've talked about with with clear bottles? Yeah, no well, we don't get the skunk. Yeah, yeah. So this is one of those. This is one of those. Uh, Miller and particularly with Miller High Life, they were kind of one of the first ones to embrace uh, light, stable hop extract. And so you're able to go ahead and put this thing in there as opposed to some other beers that you're going to have to cover, cover up with a lime or, or a lemon or whatever, or it's just going to skunk in, in the liquor store cooler or, or the, the bar fluorescent light hitting it the entire time. Uh, that's one thing that I, I appreciate about this is how much they've been able to do that and create that consistent product since you know we preached all the time about opaque or amber color or all of those. I just kind of want to call it out on this one because of the this being kind of the exception to that rule. So yeah, so we, that's that's appearance, that's aroma, what a taste, mouthfeel, finish. What are you guys getting? Well, Tim, you're gonna say beer, aren't you? Yeah, it tastes like beer. I mean, I've come a long way since we started 14 episodes ago. But right now, I just feel like the guy that started this pod that just wants to sit and drink his beer and say, yep, it's beer. I like it. It's good. It's delicious. Um, So that's what I'm going to do. Perfect. It's easy drinking. It's very mild. It's not overly powerful. It's just good, crisp, and clean. It's just... It's a beer you can drink any time of the day, any time of the year. It's still going to taste good, whether it's hot out, whether it's cold out. It's just a good, simple beer. It's just good beer. Like we started with the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale earlier. It was like, that's just a good beer. Well, what makes it good? It's just good. I mean, <clears throat> sometimes you don't need to over explain why something works. The one one of the things I do like about this, and and it goes back to you know, the head and stuff too, right? The, the good stable head is you get that kind of fizziness mm-hmm. the whole time while you're drinking it, which is pleasant on the palate. Um, that's as technical as I'm going to get right now. Um, but, you know, you get that the whole way through and you can kind of get it on your teeth and stuff as it goes down, and uh, which I think is part of what leaves it crisp and light in your mouth as opposed to creating a coating or anything like that. Yeah. And so, you know, I talk about this, like when we were doing the Gannies uh, last week, it's not a beer that you're going to over-intellectualize. So, you know, I, no. I admittedly, I'm doing that a little bit right now, but I think that's the point. And I think that's one of the, the reasons why, uh, again, Joel can attest to this, where you're seeing so many brewers and bartenders who have kind of fallen back in love with this beer is because it's just a... <sighs> well-executed beer that you know that you're, you're going to get the same experience every single time. It's not too sweet. It's not too dry. It's not too bitter. It's not, you know, it's the right level of effervescence, but I can still drink three without feeling like I'm going to die from being bloated uh, if, if you're pouring it right. Um, but uh, it is one of those things where, uh, man, just a, just like a, a Cold high life on a hot day is is just one of those those perfect experiences. I don't know, Joel. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I, number one, I, I love the presentation, and I'm glad you explained you know the reasoning for the clear bottle and the hops the way you did. Because um, when I just when I see it in that bottle, it makes me thirsty. You know, you you go to the store and you see a thousand cans and a thousand brown bottles and green bottles, but it's like. And, and, you know, they're always in like, um, at least from what I've seen, you know, enclosed boxes to keep light out. I, I've rarely seen, at least down here, um, and I could be completely wrong on this, you know, like, like just a standard six pack with a clear bottle sticking out of it. But um, I just like I see it and it makes me thirsty for beer, just that bright, beautiful, clear, golden color and the, the crisp effervescence of it. And, and I mean, like I said, it's hot. It's Florida. Like the first one, you won't even taste. 
that's that's just to get started and uh you know there were a couple brewers i respected that you know were were into it you know but i because like i never did that like younger you know college years drinking I, i just i wasn't really into alcohol for a long time so um i never really got into like miller high life or coors light or pbr until like my later years especially brewing and you know, you grow a respect for these things because, you know, like you said earlier, Tim, you know, people kind of frown upon it, but they truly have like consistency and quality in its, its truest terms, you know, like it, that beer is going to be the same everywhere I get it as long as it's been treated properly. So, um, and I was hanging out with this one brewer who we, you know, we were at a dive bar with a bunch of other people that was, you know, just like a thing going on in town and in Tampa actually. And, we're in this dive bar, and he orders a round of Miller High Life on the rocks in a highball glass with a cherry and a straw. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's not bad. Uh, it's not bad. but uh, That actually sounds pretty darn tasty. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and then once you know, lockdown started months ago, and, and uh, I signed up for Drizzly because we weren't going anywhere, I started – ordering as much bottles as I could. And then I actually had to switch to something else when the bottles ran out. Cause I like, I don't like the, I don't like this particular beer in cans. It's not like, not one of those people who says they can taste the can or anything like that. I just, like I said, I love seeing that golden color. Like if I open the fridge, those things are glowing. It's like when, uh, Vincent Vega opens the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Like it just, <laughs> <you> taste <laughs> <that itself. clears throat> Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, that's a really, really good way of looking at it. I've never really put much thought into why I gravitate toward Miller High Life other than it's, it's a good beer. But, uh, I, yeah, you're right, though. You see it sitting in the fridge, and it's like, oh, that looks really good right now. And the next thing you know, you've, you've got one in your hand, and you're, you know, so that makes makes a lot of sense actually, because I look at some of these other ones, and it, and it takes if this isn't in the fridge, and I've got, say, some Kona and or whatever the stuff that we've been drinking lately. We've done a lot of IPAs, as you would expect on the pod. I look at them and I have to think about what I want. Um, you know, right now I've got this, and I've got Budweiser in the fridge because I'm out of all of the IPAs and stuff that we've bought over the, since we've started doing the pod. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that Miller high life. Here we go. You know, start, let's start the day. I mean, start the evening. Sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere, right? Champagne yeah. of beers. Does not mean that you make a beer Mosa with high life and orange juice at, at eight in the morning? I wouldn't want to ruin the beer that doing that. <laughs> I say that does not sound like a good mix. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it's a really good beer. I was excited, like I said, when when Joel picked this beer because I was hoping eventually we would get get to this, um, and I knew we would. Um, but they've been torturing me with a lot of very hoppy IPAs, and I'm not a super IPA kind of guy. Although I'm getting better about it. Um, the next thing they'll torture me with, I'm sure at some point is a sour. Um, and then eventually there's some really good sours. And then eventually a seltzer. Um, (laughs) so yeah, but, uh, um, since we've gotten through that, um, we really kind of wrap up the pod at this point. Um, we want to make sure we give you Joel some, some time here to plug all the things that you're doing. Um, people are still traveling. Um, you know, what are you doing? Where can they find your beer? Um, you got a podcast, I think Tim said earlier before we started this, that you do plug, plug away. It's your couple of minutes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm at prosperity brewers in Boca Raton, Florida. We're a three and a half barrels, uh, little, uh, locally distributing brewery, uh, and just started doing a couple of cans. Uh, we've got our, uh, food license now so we can have people inside so uh, you can come hang out have some beers have a flight uh, i won't pour it for you because i don't work the bar but <laughs> um and uh my podcast um i'm one third of united we drink 
Um, you can find unitedredrink.com and, and, and all the social media. You know, you, Google is your friend. Uh, and uh, when I return to Florida, I will be – sorry, for Florida. When I return to Twitter, I am Florida, D-U-H, Brewer. <laughs> <laughs> Florida Brewer. Florida. Oh, that's fantastic. As Joel always says, he lives where we vacation. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. I'm so, so sorry. In Boca. We're going to go to Boca. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so – um hopefully someday i'll get to florida maybe i'll i'll find you it's one of five states i've never been to somehow i've never been to florida uh do you want to take this time uh after he plugged all his stuff to plug our other friends on tailgate society and the podcasts that are going on uh besides ours uh, obviously come check us out tailgatesociety.com uh, rate, review, subscribe, but also check out uh, Culture Check and Sports and Corks and uh, Matinee Baseball, uh, all of the great stuff that we've got going on at Tailgate Society. Read the articles of some really good writers. A lot of stuff about sports right now. We put out some special edition uh, football podcasts and stuff with everything going on and all of that. Uh, so please come check us out at tailgatesociety.com. Also, remember to hit up our sponsor, Dead Eye Barbecue Spot. Uh, Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce. <laughs> mm, I've had a couple. Um, Me fail English? That's on Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce.com. And uh, check out all their new flavors. You can get that at their website, any local high V's or fairways in the Midwest, and also at localemarket.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.